Welcome back to Safe Talk with Safe Start. I'm Danny Smith. We held our Human Factors Conference a few weeks back in Orlando, and if you were not able to make it, or perhaps if you were there, you may have uh, missed some some sessions because you were in another session. We had just a great, great lineup of speakers this year, uh, and today we've invited one of those speakers to join us on the podcast. Uh, familiar voice for some of you. You've met him before. Uh, he's one of our consultants, Mark McClellan. Uh, he's a very longtime friend of the podcast. So, Mark, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Danny. I appreciate it. It's good to be back. It was a, it was a great conference, wasn't it? It really was. Uh, as we've jokingly said the other day with uh, another podcast I recorded, if we could have just avoided that uh, little intrusion by uh, Hurricane Nicole there at the end. Uh, but, you know, we, it all worked out well, right? It did. It was great. You know, um, we uh, Nicole rained on our parade, if you will. But I think that everybody got something out of it. it w- listen, for me, it was just two great days and being able to share with people was wonderful. Yeah. And thinking about that and this idea of sharing uh, with folks is a bit of why we wanted Mark back today. So before we get into that, a little bit of a background on Mark. Uh, Mark has been with Safe Start for uh, 10 years or so now. Uh, Before that, he spent nine years working with, as uh, as Forrest Gump would say, this fruit company. Uh, (laughs) He worked with Apple, uh, in case you missed that line, uh, as the director of market development. And I'm not sure my Forrest Gump was even real good there, but that's okay. Uh, Mark has also been our go-to guy when it comes to a lot of our international business. Uh, and through the years, he's had the opportunity to work with, uh, well, Mark, how many company, uh, countries do you think you've been to now? Uh, well, I don't know how many I've been to, Danny, but for uh, the conference, I did up a little map. And I've been fortunate enough to um, be involved in implementations of Safe Start in over 30 countries now. So a few. Wow. That's amazing. So as you can gather, that's a part of why we asked Mark here today Uh, at the conference. Mark did a presentation called One Size Doesn't Fit All or How to Culturalize Your Human Factors. Now, first of all, you may be sitting here saying, "Okay, well, I don't really need to listen to this today. Uh, Some folks may have said, well, I don't really need to go to that session at the conference because I'm not a multinational company. But. If you're like where I used to work, you probably have a lot of different backgrounds from some of your workers that are there. Sometimes it may be foreign-born workers. Sometimes it may be uh, even just people who are from different sections of the country that you live in. You know, it's funny. Regionally, we even have some different subcultures, if you will. So anyway, I love Mark's description of his his description area. One of the things that just struck me is, you know, you I've done some work all over the U.S. and Canada. Now, and it, it's funny because there is a huge difference between Texas and New Jersey or Toronto and uh, and Alabama. Right. There's just so many variants. Right. For sure. You know, and more and more organizations find themselves in that sense with a variety of cultures not just in the organization but even under one roof sure as workforces are are more and more mobile right and so safe start can be used to establish a uniform safety culture across multiple locations in the same country but it can also be used in that individual location and so you know ultimately when you think about it culture is hard to define but if you think of it as a collective programming of our minds, then you can see that even within that that 
one location, you can have different cultures. And so Safe Start can help bridge gaps, if you will. Sure. That's interesting you say that. Where I used to work before I became a consultant, I know we had a, a lot of, particularly a lot of ladies, uh, certainly some men as well, who worked with us from a variety of Latin American countries. And it was always interesting to me as, and again, this is horrible to say, but it's it's just the way our minds work. You know, uh, sometimes you see, you see someone who looks a certain way and we kind of lump everyone in together, right? It's the same, same thing, even with some other cultures looking at, at North Americans, right? We lump everyone in together and they do as well. Sure. But it was so interesting because we had folks from you know, Ecuador, from Honduras, from Mexico, from El Salvador, and every one of them had a different culture. They had a different feel and a different way that they they thought about things, uh, different values, different views on safety as well, and uh, different approaches to work and their work ethic and how they were working and things of that nature. So I can certainly see how that these multiple cultures under one roof can certainly provide opportunities and, well, also some issues, right? Yeah, th- sure. There are some challenges, but they're not insurmountable. I actually, I think I see it as more of an opportunity because as as we've all found, you know, I haven't been anywhere. I don't know if you have in the last year where people have said, oh, you know, we have way too many people on staff and we, we don't have any hours to give to people, right? right. To the contrary, everybody's saying, hey, we're working everybody as much as we can and we can't get enough people or we can't keep people. And so- if, if you can use human factors approach to make your workplace more a more desirable place to work, I think it's just a, a great benefit of the efforts that you're putting in to keep people safe. Right. Yeah. And I guess when we start thinking about and talking about different cultures under one roof, it, typically we're thinking automatically, I guess, about cultures other than our own, because that's where our I guess that's our comfort zones that kind of the, the right. polite way, I guess, of saying that, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and so as I, we were talking about when we joined up a couple of weeks ago, you know, we are very fortunate that we speak a language as our first language. It's the international language of business, right? right? It, it makes it easier for us, but it also, I think, uh, sets us up for some additional challenges, right? So sure. Ultimately, you know, when we, when you and I, when people in our position talk about other cultures, we're generally talking about a culture or somebody's nationality who doesn't speak English primarily, right? Right. And and so that brings up the number, the, the first challenge that we run into, which is language. Right. And you know, there are so many situations that I can share, but the one that pops into my head is. You know, one of the first times I was working in India and I was, I asked people to fill out those 10 cards with their names and, you know, they would, because it was a formal training, they wrote their formal name. Now at about day three of the training, after having butchered some of these names for three days, I finally said to one of the people that I kind of gotten to know a little bit better, uh, I said, Hey, listen, I'm really sorry that I'm having such difficulty, but I just find your name hard to pronounce. And he said, oh, well, you can just call me by my nickname or what he called my short name. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you asked us to write our name. 
So when you asked us that, we assumed it was a formal thing. And so I wrote my formal name, but I never use that. I always go by my short name, which was Raji, a four-letter name that would have been much easier for me to pronounce. And so you see culture and language kind of came together there. And because I didn't ask the question, I made an assumption. I asked for something. I got what I asked for. Sure. Yeah. And that, that makes so much sense. You know, it's, I think of uh, our friend and colleague, Jack Jackson, you know, he always talks about his, his name is actually William Jackson, but nobody ever calls right. him that. Right. And so it, it is a cultural thing. We'd think nothing about, you know, nicknames, but yet when we, we'd also don't think about when we tell someone to write their name down that they're not going to put their nickname. Right. So that's a perfect example right. of this. Right. You know, the, the other thing that popped into my head was something that I shared in Orlando which was when you ask somebody a question, oftentimes we already have an answer or an assumption in mind. So one of the folks I worked with in India who had visited the US had been was picked up at the airport. And as they were leaving the airport, they were they met some cars in the oncoming lane flashing their lights. So opposite traffic, they were flashing their lights. Now, what does that usually mean, Danny, if you're driving along a road and the car coming towards you is flashing your lights? Sounds like a bit of a setup here, but yeah, it's uh, around here in Alabama. That typically means either there's an accident ahead or more commonly slow down because there's a speed trap or a police officer sitting up just a mile or so down the road and uh, you don't want to run into the speed trap and get a ticket, right? We're looking out for each other. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, But that's what I thought. But what my what my colleague said was, no, where we come from, that means that there are elephants on the road. And so he was like, hey, this is incredible. <laughs> I had no idea they had elephants in Boston. And so <laughs> as you can see, um, you know, an assumption but a, and a question that you already thought you knew the answer to. Sure. You know, that's funny. I, sometimes it comes back to these I don't these things that we do instinctively because of where we're raised, even down to little sayings that we have. And we were chatting mm-hmm. about this before right. we started recording. I had the opportunity and, and you were there as well back a few years back pre-pandemic. Uh, we had the opportunity to work with some of our international consultants uh, with Safeguard International as we were onboarding some of those consultants. And uh, we went over to Amsterdam and uh, Tim Page Bodorf was there along with Gary Higby and several mm-hmm. others and Larry. And uh, we were working onboarding these consultants. And it was it was so interesting to me. Of course, I always joke that I felt like the the ignorant monolingual American because I only speak one language. Actually, that's not true. I do speak English and I'm fluent in redneck as well. But <laughs> it was so funny because everyone there, it was natural to them to speak four, five, six oh, languages. Right. And, yeah, that's uh, right. It was so interesting. It wasn't just the language. It was also just some of our cultural sayings and examples that we all use that are very natural to us that may not relate or that people don't understand. And uh, it was so funny because as I would be teaching or as they were doing teachbacks, as we had them preparing to, to share the Safe Start information, all of us got to the point where we were stopping and saying, okay, and for me, it would be, okay, in the U.S., we would say such and such. Does that translate? Does everybody understand? And, and sometimes it was yes, sometimes it was no. And I remember uh, one of the gentlemen that was there from uh, from Germany, he was telling a story about having a, an injury to his lower back and how he had that sharp, sharp pain that we've all experienced in his lower back. 
And uh, he used a phrase that uh, he says, and I'm probably butchering this one, talk about cultural uh, and language issues. He used the phrase, he had a hexenschuss. And so a lot of even the Europeans in the room the, from the other European countries looked at him kind of funny. And he, he realized that he'd said something that didn't translate for everyone. And uh, he explained it to us that the and the literal translation is the witch's shot. And it's the imagery, which once he explained the imagery, it made perfect sense. It's as though you have been shot in the back and by a bow and arrow by a witch. And the, the hex is, is up on your lower back, I guess you could say. Right. And uh, when, right. um, when he said that, it, I thought, you know, what incredible imagery did describe that low back pain so specifically for everybody who's experienced that that sharp pain suddenly is like <laughs> like getting shot in the back with a bow and arrow right uh, but we right. didn't understand that right so he had to explain mm -hmm. we had to communicate about that and the communication's huge isn't it well uh, yes it is and, and just before i comment on that that but that's a perfect example of a benefit of multicultural right sure. that adds a different flavor um, and openness and, and that type of understanding just makes it easier for your folks to communicate and deal on the day to day, especially if they're, they're, they're standing side by side doing a task. Right. And so that's one of my, you know, one of my recommendations is really, you know, familiarize yourself with the people and cultures that you're going to be dealing with. Don't take it for granted. And, and my recommendation is, and I was very lucky in my dealings internationally is that I always had what what I called a local advocate, but you could call a cultural interpreter and, and find that person and get them to help you understand the audience, but also your own cultural bias, sure. right? So that you can get a better understanding for what's going on and how, uh, what you're saying is being perceived by your attendees. Sure. And that, that makes uh, a lot of sense as well, because you may be saying one thing and it means something totally different. And we make assumptions mm -hmm. about what things mean, even within our own cultures. I remember you know, it, communication can be such a funny thing. It's almost as though we need to communicate so we can communicate, uh, if that makes sense. I remember back years and years and years ago in a former life, I, before I got involved really in an in industry of any type, I worked in restaurant management. And mm -hmm. I remember one of the trainings that I had in restaurant management was about how we communicate with each other. And it was really fascinating because we, it was, it was a, a kind of a role play type exercise where the trainer was having the manager trainees, which I was a part of practice customer service and having good customer service relations and conversations. And he, he he was playing the role of a customer at a restaurant and he's we I came over to him hi sir how's your meal today oh not too hot and so instantly my bias was there was a problem and so i began right. trying to solve the problem and uh i failed miserably at that attempt and so he says okay somebody else try it we had three or four people that tried it and find to solve the problem and eventually he says okay all of you're missing the point I just said it was not too hot. Last time I came in here last week, the temperature of the mill was too hot. When I first got it, it was fresh <laughs> off the grill, burnt the crap out of my mouth. 
wasn't a problem at all. It was just too hot. I had to wait a few minutes before I could eat it. We're all sitting here. Oh, what's the problem? Is it not good? Blah, 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 blah. You get the idea, right? But we have that even with cultures as well, where we just don't communicate what we think we're communicating, right? Right. Perfect. Yes. So perfect lead into one of the other things that I shared in Orlando, which is don't assume, right? There's an expression yes. that goes along with that word and that I won't use because everybody knows it. <laughs> but what I mean is ask a question about something, listen to the answer, and then ask it again, but ask it in a different way. Because what I have found is that you'll get an answer. Uh, so for instance, I'll give you the, an example. Uh, when we were trying to establish our uh, trainer certification classes, I said, I asked somebody, are we okay to start training at eight o'clock? And the answer was, yes, that's fine. And then, but I didn't get the answer. I didn't get the enthusiastic answer. Well, I don't think anybody likes to start training at eight o'clock, but you know what I meant? Right. The, it wasn't the answer I was expecting. So I, I switched the answer and I said, uh, at what time should we start the training to get the best attendance or on-time attendance? And I was told, well, probably 10, but if you if we need to start earlier than 9 or 9.30. <laughs> so by changing the question, I got the real answer. Right. So so in that case, they didn't want to offend you or 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 say no to your question and your suggestion of starting at eight o'clock because that was culturally what was expected was them to somewhat agree with whatever you suggested. Right. Right. And that's why you need the interpreter. You need mm -hmm. that interpreter so that you can get them to understand that you are being open-minded and that you, that, that you understand that you might take some things for granted and you need them to clarify that for you. Sure. So the third thing that I, that I would share is remember that, you know, reading, writing, and speaking a language are three separate skills, right? Yes. I, I read and speak French quite well, grew up doing it, went to school for it. But if you asked me to write a, a business letter in French, I'm sure I would uh, offend every French person uh, at the company. Likewise, when you have people that you're training they might do very well uh, listening and, and learning from you in English, but it, it, perhaps reading or doing an activity workbook in another in their in their first language would be easier for them. Sure. And so those are things you know. Uh, many a time, I don't know if you've run into this, but many a time I've you know asked beforehand, "Is everybody going to be okay reading English?" And I'm told, "Oh yes, no problem." But I get on site and I'm told, "Yeah, you know what." this isn't really working for us. Sure. And, we, and we've already delivered all these workbooks in English and then we have to adapt. So so ask the questions right? and then ask the question again. Is everything going to be okay reading in English? Yes. Maybe the question should have been, what language would people prefer to read in? Right. So. Yeah, I've, um, I've run into that before where you had literally, gosh, I was trying to remember, I was talking to one client recently that had Gosh, I want to say it was like 15 or 20 different languages that were spoken in their facility. Uh, yeah. And as you sure. said earlier, English may be the the business language, but yet what is their true comfort level of reading English or would they be ahead to and, and feel more comfortable and be more productive to read in Russian or Vietnamese or whatever language it was that 
is their native language that they're more comfortable reading in, right? Yeah, I think about even here in the U.S., and it's amazing that the, you, you mentioned before, you know, reading, speaking, and, and writing are three totally different things. You know, just the literacy rate that we see among workers is not always the greatest, you know. Uh, and so that's particularly with reading. And I I'd often joke, you know, in general, people just don't read as much as they used to either. So we can't assume that people can read uh, at a high level or quickly either, you know, and that can be a cultural bias as well. Uh, for sure. And, there, and, and the great thing is that there are ways to address that. And if you're doing Safe Start Classic, we have lots of experience doing that. If you're doing Safe Start now, we've addressed it in the materials themselves. Sure. And so, you know, we're helping with that. But ultimately, you know, communicating is an art form, right? And anybody who's done any type of public speaking or training understands that. And like being politically correct, being culturally correct is important. And as you know, if we circle back to where we started, being part of an organization that is respected and desirable to work for, being in a position to show people that we respect their culture and we understand differences can really set us apart. Sure. And that's important for, for us as we are working with clients. It's important for even clients within their own organization Okay, you may not be a multicultural company, you may may not be a multinational com- company, but that doesn't mean you're not multicultural. Maybe that's the way I'm trying to say it, right? Uh, you you may have all of these different cultures within your organization, even under the same roof, and we've got to find ways to effectively reach them. Absolutely, and as as our good friend and producer Kevin Cobb would say, you know, just because someone speaks English you shouldn't assume that you're communicating well. Uh, just because I'm saying something in English to somebody doesn't mean that they're understanding it properly or correctly. And we, right. So that's that bias. And you just have to be ready to uh, be critical of yourself and be be ready to adapt. Sure. And we've you've probably experienced this as well, Mark, that uh, you ask someone, <clears throat> you're speaking in English and you ask someone, do you understand? And they nod their head, right? Mm-hmm. When really they mm-hmm. don't understand at all. They're just nodding their head because they think that's what you desire. And so that that's problematic as well, right? So th- that can even be a simple thing there that can cause issues. People saying what they think you want to, to say or hear. You know, even I experienced that myself. So as you know, Mark, I, you know, I've uh, had a bit of hearing loss over the past few years. So I wear hearing aids now. And so myself, I have to remind myself, hey, if you can't hear somebody, just acknowledge that and say, hey, I'm having a little difficulty hearing you. I've had to learn that culturally myself that that's acceptable, right? And it's right. a bit of a, you know, maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe it's an ego thing. I don't know. I won't get into all of that. But culturally, I had to kind of get myself to that point where it's like, okay, it's okay for you to tell somebody you can't hear them, you know, and people understand that and they appreciate that. Right. Same thing. If somebody doesn't understand things, we also have to get that cultural, um, well, get rid of that cultural bias, as you said before, where we tell people, if you don't understand something, say so. Uh, and and mm-hmm. let me know if you don't understand, let me know if we didn't communicate properly. And that's, that's huge as well. Right. Right. And so what you end up with in that case is 
or what I've seen is a superficial implementational or a superficial uh, adoption of the behaviors mm -hmm. that we're trying to get people to buy into, especially when you talk about human factors. Right. And therefore, you put in all this effort and then you don't get the, the, the lasting change that you're expecting from people. And then people are looking around going, why isn't this working? Right. But the answer was there in front of you the whole time. You just had to step back and, and take the, the, the larger view and ask the questions before you started, not right. after. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing, you know, again, maybe it is communicating to communicate, you know, and that's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You really have to do the, the lay the groundwork up front uh, to make sure that you are communicating effectively with everyone. Uh, and, and it's not just a, a nationality issue. It's not just a cultural or a regional issue. It's not just a language issue. It's, there are all sorts of things that go into this, right? Sure. When you think about, you know, and, and there's, uh, some great stuff from Safe Start about culture and climate, uh, and 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 those climates that that feed up into that culture or that are affected by that culture um, are a perfect example of that. Sure. Um, that that can be then additionally affected by different uh, human cultures as opposed to just safety or col corporate culture. Right. Right. Well, thanks so much for being with us, Mark. I really appreciate it. I think this has been a really interesting little talk here and discussion about uh, just the way that the different cultures affect us in, in so many different ways. And uh, I really think you've got a lot of insight into this. And uh, for everyone here, if, if you'd like to contact Mark and talk about, you know, any issues that you're having or anything like that, again, he's got a wealth of knowledge and experience in this area. So, Mark, uh, why don't you tell everybody how to get in touch with you, if you don't mind? Best way, Danny, just drop me an email, mark with a K dot M at safestart.com. It's a mark dot M at safestart.com. So again, thanks so much for being here with us. Uh, really, really appreciate it. My pleasure, Danny. I always love coming back. Hope uh, hope that I get the invite again. Hope I make the cut again. <laughs> make the cut again. Yes. <laughs> there we go with a local, <laughs> a local thing that we say, right? Yeah. So I go. really appreciate it. Right. So uh, thanks so much. Uh, other people may be thinking, what are they talking about cutting each other? Right. <laughs> so on behalf of Mark and the entire safe talk with safe start team. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us today. I hope this has been insightful and maybe just got you thinking a bit about some of the different cultural aspects of uh, your workforce and uh, hope that you'll come back and join us again. And as always, please remember to share this podcast. I'm Danny Smith for Safe Talk with Safe Start. Have a great day.